With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Attention nerds. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. It is a throwback Thursday. That's right, June 22nd. If you're listening to the day this show is uploaded, it's number 1,283. Kimmy, I got one thing. Kimmy. She's right next to me. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 <laughs> Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Oh, I'm not so bad. Once you get to know me. That is so true. And we'll give you a chance to know me and know Kimmy coming up this weekend. Matter of fact, starting Saturday, we're going to have all types, all kinds of nerd fun Two days of nerd fun. That's Saturday and Sunday as the Riley and Kimmy show takes it to the streets. That's right. The Riley and Kimmy show will be taking it to the streets coming up on Saturday. The first day we will be uh, hitting the streets and we'll be going to a certain place in Ocoee, Florida. Right, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. And that is Highlander Novelties for a really big event the writer and artist of the Rick and Morty comics will be in store at Highlander Novelties this Saturday. That is artist Kyle Starks. Well, beloved Dub Dub! Yeah, that's right. Let's all scream that together. Yes, Kyle will be at Highlander Novelties starting at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Please stop on by. He'll be signing, and I I hope this is uh, the case. Uh, last time I talked to Christian, the store owner, it was. He will be sketching, doing watercolor kind of sketches and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, and a really cool... I've seen some uh, some of his work, uh, some of his sketching thing, and it's it's actually way cool. And an opportunity for you to meet Kyle and talk about Rick and Morty and his other projects too, like uh, Sex Castles and some other things he's got going on. That'll be starting at 11 o'clock, goes till 4 o'clock at Highlander Novelties in Ocoee, Florida. Now, one of the things we stress is please get to Highlander Novelties early right Kimmy mm-hmm. yes yes get there early for your opportunity to see Kyle and meet him and also to check out Highlander novelties maybe you've never been there before right right it's it's one of our home away from homes correct yes really nice place fantastic all your nerd things all your comic book supplies and and nerd things that you want you can find at Highlander novelties a big thank you going out to Christian, the store owner of Highlander Novelties, for inviting the Riley and Kimmy show. Yes, thank you, Christian. And please help Christian out by telling all your friends in Central Florida about this big event happening this Saturday. That's June 24th. Okoe, Florida is the city. The comic book shop, the store, the novelty shop is Highlander Novelties. Tell them about this event and check out Highlander Novelties' Facebook page for more details, more information but I, I can't stress this enough. Get there early, right? Yeah, you want to get there early. Yes, you, you really want to get there early. Yes. So get, get there early. Tell your friends, carpool if you have to, or 
uh, all ride bikes together, whatever it is. Uh, just just get to Highlander Novelty starting at 11 o'clock until 4. That is this Saturday. And see Kyle Starks, the writer and artist of the Rick and Morty comic book. Well, beloved Dub Dub! Yeah, tell your friends about that. And by the way, the next location the Riley and Kimmy show will be going to will have some more nerd fun too, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be on Sunday, correct, Kimmy? The next day. Yes, the very next day. If you are in Central Florida, even vacationing, now if you happen to be out in the theme park area or maybe over in the coast, this is not far away from those locations at all. Very easy to get to. And that is the Orlando Toy and Comic Con is having a summer fan event at the Holiday Inn on Alafaya Trail in Orlando. Very easy to get to, right, Kimmy? Very easy, yes. And this will be full of comic books. If you're a comic book uh, fan or maybe somebody who's starting out uh, getting into the collecting, this will be a great chance to do that. Uh, you'll find some back issues and, and current product as well. But one of the really nice things, a lot of uh, a lot of high-end comic book artists will be there, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, Kyle Starks will be there of Rick and Morty fame. And he'll be joined with Tony S. Daniel, who will be there. for. He's known for his, his work on D, like DC. I mean, just uh, it's fantastic. Matter of fact, uh, as we record this show right next to me, to my right-hand side on the studio wall is a sketch from a few years ago that we got from Tony S. Daniel of The Joker. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Yes. Got that a few years ago at Epic Comics. Thank you to Al, the store owner, who uh, made that that happen. Big thank you to him mm-hmm. uh, for that. That's what, That was at Epic Comics. And you will have an opportunity to, to meet Tony yourself. And that is at the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. Come out Sunday. 10 o'clock is when it starts. Free parking. This is not a, a convention that's going to gouge you with parking and all kinds of incidentals before you get into the door. Correct, Kimmy? That's right. Definitely family, affordable. Mm-hmm. Cosplayers are welcome. Costumers, collectors too, by the way, because this isn't just comic books. It's also collectibles. We know quite a few of the uh, collectible vendors who will be there, and they bring a wide range of things for all, from all all. You know, all eras, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Chance to find maybe that collectible lunchbox or that unique uh, action figure or that uh, toy you played with a number of years ago. You could find it at the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. And by the way, back to comic books, somebody else who will be there, somebody who's really, I mean, he loves comic books. And we'll be talking to him at the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. That's Martin T. Piero. He's the owner, publisher, author of Cosmic Times, the largest comic book publisher in the southeastern United States. He loves comic books. I mean, there's no question about it. He really does. And he might be the person for you to talk to, especially if you're thinking about getting into the comic book industry or you have a family member who is, or you're already, you you got maybe that comic book done, but you want to get it published. He might have some tips for you, some information for you. You, you, You'll want to meet Martin at the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con starting at 10 o'clock this Sunday. You can find out more by going to the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con's Facebook page. They'll keep you updated right there. And tell your friends about this. All your Central Florida friends, your friends in Tampa, maybe down in Miami. This this could be well worth your drive to meet Tony S. Daniel and also Kyle Starks. Kyle, uh, to my knowledge, has not been in Florida. This is his first appearance uh, this weekend in Florida. So, you know, if you're a Rick and Morty fan or you know somebody is, you'll want to come to the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. You can find out more by going to their Facebook page. Right, Kimmy? Yes. And Kimmy and I want to send a thank you out to the show promoter, that is Mike Priest, for inviting the Riley and Kimmy show. Thank you, Mike. 
Kimmy, I have a question for you on this Thursday, a throwback Thursday. Would you like to play Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia? Absolutely. It's a throwback Thursday. By the way, stick with us past trivia because we will be honoring throwback Thursday. We will be going back in time, stepping through the time machine and going back in time to honor throwback Thursday. How's that sound, Kimmy? That sounds great. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions from the timeline. The timeline has been adjusted. It's been scrambled up. It's just like my brains. It's all scrambled. Dates, they're all over the place. So feel free to shout out answers too, Kimmy. We believe that uh, answers can come right through a time tunnel, a vortex. Sort of like Rick and Morty opening up that uh, you know, that portal, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that's how the answers work for you, right? Uh-huh. I think somebody has the portal gun in the hand. They open it up. They, they, they zap a wall and they, they give Kimmy an answer. And you can do that by shouting to your device that you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. Smartphone, laptop, desktop, tablet, whatever it is. Give those answers out to Kimmy. Here we go on that throwback Thursday, Kimmy. The very first question we have for you is Saturday Night Live based. It was on this date in history. Adam Sandler joins SNL. The question for you within five years. When did he take the stage of Saturday Night Live? Oh, 1995. Kimmy gets it within the five, but barely. It was 1990 when Adam Sandler became part of Saturday Night Live. I almost Live. said 1990. Sure you did. I did, did. Did you ever, were you watching Saturday Night Live in that time period? I was not. No. Uh, no. So, okay. So that's really amazing that you actually, you actually got that. It was on this date, something that happened in your hometown area, Kimmy, in Chicago. The Sears Tower. The Sky Deck opens. When did the Sears Tower become completed in that Sky Deck open? What year, within five years, did that happen? 1980. The Sears Tower, where you grew up, the shadow of your territory, because it casts a long shadow. Um, 1970? She was trying to guess around me there. Uh, we gave you within a five-year buffer. It was 1974 that the Sears Tower and the Sky Deck opened, and you've been up to the, the, the tower all the way up. Mm -hmm. One time, right? Yes. But you were scared to death going up in that elevator. Mm -hmm. Because during its time, now I haven't been up there in a number of years, but... During its day, that was a pretty fast elevator. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I bet, the, I bet you were just hanging on for dear life, like a ride out at one of the theme parks. Mm -hmm. It was on this day, Kimmy, 1909, the first transcontinental auto race ended in Seattle, Washington. It was 1939. The first United States water ski tournament was held. That happened in Long Island, New York. The year's 1959. <laughs> Eddie Lebansky rolls 24 consecutive strikes in a bowling tournament held in Miami, Florida. Tonight's the night we're going bowling. Slip on my shoes, dry off my hands, pick up my ball, quiet and stand. <laughs> Rosin on my shoes, eye on my spot, back up a little, start my trot. Smooth and easy, shoulder real low, come on ball, let's go, go, go. Looks a little high, Barney. You got a 210 split, Barney. Yes, a little throwback moment from the Flintstones there, Kimmy. And uh, by the way, speaking of bowling, how are you at bowling, Kimmy? Could you do that 24 consecutive strikes? Mm, no. Could you do one strike? Yeah. Oh, you, you've done one. Yeah. Do they, when you bowl, do they have to put those bumper clothes, you know, pull in the bumper so you don't have the gutter thing going? No. You actually play with a gutter. 
Yeah. Okay. I I have bowled with you one time, I think, a long time ago. Something must have happened because we didn't go again. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm serious. E- even though we have certain friends in Central Florida who do listen to the Riley and Kimmy show, invited us to bowling, and they have not fulfilled their agreement. <laughs> they were the ones that offered. They were the ones that brought it up. Didn't yeah. They? It was like, don't you don't you really like it? Hey, how would you like to do? And they never get back to you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They didn't mean it when they asked in the first place. It was on this date in 1959. This song peaks at number nine on the top 40 charts. Now, Kimmy, I'm not certain you've ever heard this song, but you might be able to identify who the recording artist was just by their unique sound. Remember, the year is 1959. They had hits on the top 40 charts besides this one. Here is the song. I'm not going to ask you to identify the song. Just tell me who the recording artist was. Long Dick Joe. Talking Joe. Slow Walking Joe. Slow Talking Joe. Here's 1959, peaks number nine on this date in history. Kimmy, can you identify who the recording artists were of Along Came Jones? No. They had a hit called Charlie Brown. No. It's the Coasters, remember? Oh, okay. Okay, 1959. Now, the next one, there's no way on earth it would be impossible music trivia to ask, I think, just about anybody, actually, Kimmy, even somebody who really likes the 1950s music and early 1960s. You have to be a really hardcore audiophile to know this one. The song hit number 38. That's as high as it peaked on the charts. That's one of the reasons I'm saying it's going to be hard to know because the oldie stations of a few years back have stayed away from that for the most part. So it didn't get a lot of airplay after, you know, it hit that number 38 period. The song is by Chubby Checker. You know him, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he did this song, and what he did, he imitated other recording artists of the time period. He imitated Fats Domino and The Coasters and Elvis on this record. The record was called The Class. All right, class, let's all be seated. I'm the music teacher, Dig. That's who I am. I want to know if all you cats and kittens did your homework. Mary had a little lamb. Yeah, I did. I'm from my home. Solid. Let's share your homework there, my man Pats. Mary had a little lamb. He was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, that crazy lamb would go. Pats, that's tough. Now let's hear you closer to your stuff. Yeah, that was the class. I'm sure you've never heard that, right? No. That's by Chubby Checker. Peaked at number 38. I don't know how the other recording artists felt about him doing that. Uh, And it even says that on the original uh, recording label of the 45, it says him imitating all these individuals. Hmm. Maybe it didn't go over well because that's why it only went up to number 38. I I don't know. Staying at 1959, this recording artist released this song. Now, I don't think you know the song, but you might be able to identify the recording artist. Know for his guitar work, Kimmy, and he would influence generations in the 60s, <laughs> a certain rock group or two in the 60s or three or four or five, and he would become a legend on stage with his performances. As a matter of fact, the movie Back to the Future makes reference to him. When Marty goes back in time, he supposedly influences this guitarist, this singer, Tell me, who had this song as a hit in 1959, or actually released it in 1959? Long distance information, give me Memphis, Tennessee. Help me find the party, try to get in touch with me. 
I wish this had been a video episode of the Riley and Kimmy show because Kimmy was not listening to the additional clues I had given her because she was just zoning out going blah, blah, blah. He's asking some questions, blah, blah, blah. Wait to the music clue. Kimmy, I stated this was a person known for their guitar work and they would influence rock bands, especially in the 1960s. And the movie Back to the Future, Marty McFly would go back in time and supposedly influence this guy, his brother saw him perform marty and called on the telephone to his brother to have him listen over the phone marty playing the guitar the way he was chuck berry yes it's chuck berry and memphis tennessee one of my favorite versions of that is by george thorogood from 1959 though that's chuck berry and the release of that it was 1962 the first test flight of a hovercraft happened it was 1963 this single was released now kimmy i don't know if you can tell me the name of the recording artist but i think you might know the name of the song now any drummer percussionist knows this song some uh, over the years at uh, at uh, live performances, some drummers are challenged by this song. Kimmy, identify at least the name of the song if you can. Here's your audio clue. <laughs> Okay, Kimmy, tell me the name of that song. Wipeout? <laughs> Wipeout. Yes, song that challenges drummers. Very good friend of the Riley and Kimmy show. I've heard him play this, recordings of him playing that, and that is Terry Moore of Outdated Slang. Terry loves playing Wipeout. So if you ever get a chance to see him perform live, have him play Wipeout. He will like that. He does. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell me the name of the group, could you? I may have already told you who it was. Did it? Yeah. She, see, I was testing her. It's the Safaris, 1963, when that was released. It was on this date, 1963. Let's see if Kimmy can identify the recording artist just by the name of the song title. It's Fingertips Part 2. Can you tell me who had that as a hit? No. He was called Little Stevie for a while. Oh, yeah. Stevie Wonder. That's right. Stevie Wonder at the age of 13 had that as a hit. That was 1963. 1968, I don't think it's possible, but the, and let's have some impossible trivia here music-wise. Can you tell me the name of this song? It did play a lot on oldie stations. As a matter of fact, even before oldie stations had it in their rotation, a lot of like the adult contemporary stations and middle of the road would play it. Some of them would stall to use the song to go to the like the network news when they used to capture or catch the network news at the top of the hour because it was an instrumental. Kimmy, can you identify this 1968 song? The year is 19... 19- 
68. This was released. Can you tell me the name of the song by chance? Oh, I can't. It's Classical Gas by Mason Williams, 1968 when that uh, was released. It was 1970. The president at that time signs an extension of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. It requires the voting age in the United States to be 18. Now tell me who the president was that did that. Richard Nixon. That's right, 1973. Skylab astronauts splashed down safely in the Pacific after a record 28 days in space. That doesn't sound like much now, does it? No. It was on his date, 1977. The Walt Disney film Rescuers is released. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. It was 1978. James W. Christie and Robert S. Harrington discovered the only known moon of Pluto. Hmm. It was on his date, 1981. Mark David Chapman pleads guilty to killing whom? John Lennon. That's correct. 1983, first time a satellite is retrieved from orbit by the space shuttle. It was on a date 1985. This song peaks at number 12, which is surprising. It is not a number one or even a top five hit. Most would guess it at least cracked the top five. And bonus points, Kimmy, if you can tell me the TV show that kind of helped make it a hit. Maybe, maybe not. But it was featured in a certain episode of a certain TV show. The year is 1985. Here is your audio clue. Tell me the name of the song and the recording artist. I struggle on the street tonight. I could feel it in my bones. I had a premonition that he should not go alone. I knew the gun was loaded, but I didn't think he'd kill. Everything exploded and the blood began to spill. So maybe here's your ticket with a suitcase in your hand. Kimmy, what is the name of that song? Smuggler's Blues. Smuggler's Blues. Very good. Kimmy, tell me the recording artist. Glenn Fry. Yeah, that's right. What big group was he part of? The Eagles. Yeah. And can you tell me the name of the TV show that featured that in a certain episode? Miami Vice. Yes. I guess you did see that. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Fry was in that episode, by the way. Yes. Yes. Well, you even knew that, too. Mm-hmm. Our, <laughs> see, she is an audiophile, and she does kind of pay attention occasionally to the Riley and Kimmy show. She She's still with us. That's good. The year is 2009. Eastman Kodak Company announces that it would discontinue sales of Kodachrome color film. Moving over to celebrity and notable birthdays, Kimmy. Identify this actress. She played the starring role, the lead in a certain TV series from 1976 to 1978, and then she played the role again when they did TV movies, identify the TV show first with its theme. Here's your audio clue.
Jimmy, identify that mystery TV show. Bionic Woman. The Bionic Woman. That's right, from 1976 to 1978. What network did it air on originally? Originally? Yes. ABC? No. NBC. That's correct. The $6 million man was an ABC. That's why she didn't have Steve as a boyfriend on the TV show. Mm. Because they had some contract, you know, network things there. And it's weird, though. Oscar could be on both, though. Richard Dean was on both. Hmm. Richard Dean Anderson was on both. Tell me the name of the actress who played the Bionic Woman. Lindsay Wagner. And what's the name of the Bionic Woman? Who, what was her character? Jamie Summers. Yeah, and Jamie Summers, what was her profession when she had her accident? She was a tennis player. Yes, and then she became A school teacher. (laughs) Yes. Of course. Of course, yeah, yeah. Remember, you know, if you have a sharp eye, you can see Robbie Wrist in some of those episodes. Uh, You know, Cousin Oliver is in the classrooms. Mm. You watched those episodes. Yeah, I did. Okay. Kimmy collects Bionic Woman stuff. I love I love that show. Matter I fact, love Bionic Woman. Kimmy occasionally cosplays as Lindsay Wagner, the Bionic. I have. Yes, you have. Matter of fact, looking at a photo of you doing that right here. Next and I to actually me. got to meet Lindsay Wagner. She was very, very, very nice. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. I wish she would come around to a certain show near us. Yeah. That'd be really nice, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Maybe with uh, Lee Majors. Mm-hmm. That'd be really cool. Moving over to somebody else. Let's see if you can identify who this mystery birthday person is. Are you ready? Okay. This is a movie director, Kimmy. Very big movie director. Born on this date, born 1906, died 2002 at the age of 96. I'll name off just a few of his big films. You tell me who it is. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. He was the director and sometimes writer of these. But he's definitely the director. Double Indemnity, 1944. Sunset Boulevard, 1950. Stalag 17, 1953. The Seven Year Itch, 1955. Some Like It Hot, 1959. And The Apartment in 1960. Can you tell me who this director is? It's Sunset Boulevard's daddy, if you will. Who is it, Kimmy? I can't do it. I look stupid. No, you don't. Yes, st- I do. No, I should know who Kimmy, that is. You don't look stupid. This is not a video episode of the totally, Riley and Kimmy show. I should totally know who that is. Well, we won't hold it against you, Kimmy. It's Billy Wilder. Yeah. Born on this day, 1906. And I recommend all those movies I just uh, mentioned. Mm-hmm. All favorites of mine. Every single one of them. Double Indemnity, though, Kimmy, has something tied with the apartment. Can you tell me what it is? Um... There's something that's connected. At the actor. That's right. Who is that actor? Fred McMurray. That's right. Fred McMurray plays a baddie in both of them. Mm-hmm. He wasn't doing the Mr. Flubber stuff in, in, in either one of those. He plays a nasty person in both. Moving over to somebody else. Born on this date in history, Kimmy. Best known for the role, uh, well, the father. The father on this TV show. Please identify the TV show as soon as... As you can. Here's your audio clue. The Waltons? Yes, that is correct. Can you tell me, by chance, who played John Walton? John Walton Sr. on that show. He was on it forever. I cannot. That's Ralph Waite, born on this day, 1928, died 2014 at the age of 85. 
See if you identify the next person, Kimmy. Singer and actor. You know him more for acting. He played Blade's mentor, Whistler, in the movie Blade in 1998. Also Blade 2 in 2002. Blade Trinity in 2004. He was on covers of magazines all over the place back in the mid-1970s. He was in A Star is Born with Barbara Streisand. That was in 1976. Who is he? Chris Christopherson. Ooh. I thought we'd throw you there. Tell me how old Chris Christopherson is today within five years. 72. He is 81 today. Ed Bradley, born on this date, 1941, died 2006 at the age of 65, best known for 26 years of award-winning work on 60 Minutes. Somebody else born on this date in history, Kimmy, a musician. See if you identify who it is. Here's one of his hits. It peaked at number five on Billboard's Hot 100 charts in 1972. Tell me who the mystery birthday person is. Here is your clue. We have two if you need it. Hello, it's me. I've thought about us for a long, long time. Maybe I think too much, but something's wrong. There's something here that doesn't last too long. Who is that, Kimmy? Todd Rundgren? She got it. I didn't even have to go to clue number two. Congratulations there. You got it off. Hello, it's me. He's having a birthday today. He is 69. Actress Meryl Streep having a birthday. How old is she within five? Um, 70. She's 68, so you get that. Next person, a musician, a singer. We have a clue here, a song that peaked at number three in 1984. Identify who the birthday person is. Tell me how old she is within five once you figure out who it is. Who is that? Cindy Lauper. Yes, with her song that is amazing that it got airplay back in 1984. It did. It got past people. One of the things, they sanitize the video, too. She's not holding the magazine that's mentioned in the song, in that. And they kind of downplay what the song is about in the video. But it's still made airplay across uh, radio stations across the country. It's amazing, too, because just a few years later, I was working uh, as a morning host at a certain station. And the general manager is very upset when, you know, I Want Your Sex comes out by uh, George Michael. And didn't like the Samantha Fox song. I use this one as an example, but we, mm. pl- we played this one. We played Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax. Didn't, didn't matter. Yeah. Next person having a birthday, Tim Russ. He is 61 today. He played Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. Did a lot of voice work, too, by the way. Spider-Man, 1997, he was the Prowler. Also Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 in 2009, he played Black Panther and Colossus. Bruce Campbell having a birthday. He's 59, known for his Evil Dead work. You know, he's part of the original Evil Dead. He's also in the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Did you ever watch that back, way back? No. And you you watched him in one of our favorite movies, comic book, the movie 2004. He plays himself, remember? Mm. When mm-hmm. uh, Mark Hamill's character is trying to get him to wear that ridiculous costume. That, that was bad. <laughs> that was real bad. Moving over to another section of trivia. I see dead people. Notable deaths, 1965, David O. Selznick, producer of Gone with the Wind, dies at the age of 63. 1969, this American singer and actress dies at the age of 47 of an overdose, Kimmy. She was known for 
playing Dorothy in the original Wizard of Oz. Who was it? Judy Garland. That's right. Passed away on this date in 1969. 1987, Fred Astaire dies at the age of 88. 1988, Dennis Day, actor, better known as being the singer, the tenor on the Jack Benny Show, dies at the age of 71. 2015, James Horner, American film composer, Titanic, Apollo 13, Casper, tons of films, dies in a plane crash at the age of 61. That wraps up our trivia for today, but the Throwback Thursday continues. And by the way, Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. And we're going to go back in time and throw it back a little bit with a golden age of radio with a tribute to somebody that we talked about in trivia. Radio And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Going back in time on this Throwback Thursday, we're going to honor Judy Garland, who passed away on this date in history. And we're going to also honor Fred Astaire. First thing we have is by Judy Garland. It's Drive-In from 1946. Now, this is not something you might think of Judy being part of. This is not a musical or a singing type of episode. This is a thriller, a suspenseful kind of, kind of old-time radio episode. A little summary, a car hop is threatened by a homicidal maniac. That's what drive-in is about. I wonder if anybody knows what a drive-in is. Hmm. Yeah, well, this is a chance to go back in time and maybe find out what a drive-in is if you don't know what it, what a drive-in was at all. That is Judy Garland starring in that. And then followed by that, we have Fred Astaire in Sky's the Limit from 1949. These are back-to-back, uninterrupted and they're safe for all ears. Going back in time, first to 1946, here's Drive-In with Judy Garland on The Riley and Kimmy Show. I wish I hadn't let Ruth talk me into serving that last car that came into the drive-in that rainy night. It was late and I was tired. I'd been on my feet all day carrying heavy trays, hopping to it with impatient people glaring their headlights on and off in my eyes. Heaven knows there are a lot of impatient people in Hollywood. We car hops don't have an easy time of it. Talk about your mail carriers. Well, we're the same, raining or blowing or boiling hot. We've got to get through with that tray or know the reason why. Tired, hungry people who sit back in their car expect a million dollars worth of service for a ten-cent tip. Why do we do it? Sure, there are other ways of making a living in Hollywood, but not many that hold that glittering promise that maybe someday... Somehow, maybe someone will say... Why, that girl looks like Lana Turner. Yes, at least her hair's done up that way. I think I could use her, Rennie. The musical version of the Forsyth Saga. Oh, she'd be great in color. I think I'll ask her to come out to the studio. Yes, I know. Maybe it doesn't happen often, but there's always the chance. And, and there's always that hope. That's what keeps us going, I guess. But... There are other things that can happen in a drive-in that aren't on the menu. Like that rainy night I was telling you about when I let Ruth talk me into serving that last car that came in. Millie, Millie, listen, please take his order, will you? I got three cars. Oh, look at the clock, will you? It's nearly midnight. I'm off duty. Oh, please, Miller, just this once more. My date's waiting. I'll do the same for you, Ruth. What's the matter with him? Can he read? Please do not honk your horn. It looks clear enough to me. It's a doctor's car. You see, he's probably in a rush. Anyway, you got nobody waiting for you. Oh, all right. Oh, gee, thanks, Mill. It was true. I 
I had no one waiting for me. Only the bus that was going to take me to Glendale where I lived alone in an apartment. So I buttoned up my raincoat and took a menu over to the car. Good evening. Never mind the menu. There's some black coffee, a pot of it. And a ham sandwich. Please hurry it. When I took his order over to the car, the window was rolled up a little too far and it interfered with the tray, so I reached in to wind it down. When I touched the handle, it felt wet kind of sticky, too, but I didn't think anything about it. I got the tray firmly set, and then I looked at my hand. It was as red as blood. I looked up quickly at him. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Dr. Morgan. I just had an emergency in the car. Oh, an accident? Yes, Sunset and Vine. Quite a crash. I just happened by, and I took one of them to the hospital. Oh, gee, that's a shame. Yes, it's too bad. I walked back trying to wipe the blood from my hand with a paper napkin. It, it gave me a creepy feeling to have somebody's blood on my hand. Then I went in to wash. I was trying to keep close track of the time, and I was a little worried for fear the big drive-in clock wasn't right. It sometimes ran slow. So I took a coin from my apron pocket. I figured it was worth a nickel not to miss that last bus to Glendale. I walked over to the payphone, and I was about to drop the nickel in when... I looked out and he was leaning on the horn and beckoning to me at the same time. I put the nickel back in my pocket and hurried out to him. I'm sorry, but I'm in a hurry. I haven't time for this coffee to cool off. I'll take the sandwich with me. How much do I owe you? Well, uh, I'll be 42 cents. Oh, here you are. Thank you. I hope I didn't interrupt your phone call. It wasn't important, was it? <laughs> no, I was just checking on the time. I don't want to miss my bus. There was a clock right over your head. Well, that's usually wrong. If I have the time, it's about four minutes to 12. Oh, I'm going to miss my bus. What time does it leave? At midnight from Hollywood and La Brea. Well, hop in, I'll take you. I'm going right past there. Oh, would you? I'll take the train. I'll be right back. I might still be able to make it. Okay. Uh, in my hurry to unhook the tray from the window, I gave it a jerk and it fell crashing to the ground. Oh, dear. Ruth? Yeah? Look, look, help me with these things, will you? I'm going to miss my well, bus. Go ahead, go ahead, Nora. I'll get it, I'll get it. We, we picked the things up quickly, and Ruth went off with the tray. I started to run around the other side of the car when I noticed something shining on the ground. It was one of the shakers that had fallen from the tray. I picked it up and started toward the driveway. Uh, why don't you just put that in your pocket? You can return it tomorrow. Come on, you're going to miss your bus. I put the shaker in my apron pocket, and I rushed over to the other side of the car. He opened the door for me, and I was just about to get in when I... Hesitated. I, I wasn't used to doing this kind of thing. The other girls sometimes let their customers drive them home, but I never did. Still, he looks so decent, and I... Come on. You'll miss it. Then he reached out as if to help me in, and I felt that he was really concerned about my missing the bus because he seemed to pull me into the car. First thing I knew, I was sitting beside him. Then the door slammed, and we were driving off. I was a little uneasy, but when I thought it's, it's only a few blocks, I won't be in the car long. I suppose you're in a hurry because someone's waiting for you. No, I, I live alone, but I'd hate to walk back to Glendale in this rain. You won't have to walk. Well, this is very nice of you. I appreciate it. 
Not at all. Uh, would you mind rolling up that window on your side? There's a draft. Oh, of course. Uh, you can uh, let me off at that corner over there. All right. Mm -hmm. Anywhere along here will be all right. This is fine. Right over there by the stop sign. Wait a minute, you're going through the stop signal. Am I? Yes, but I'll, I'll get off over there by the other one. My bus! You're turning the wrong way. Am I? Yes, this, this goes up to Laurel Canyon. Does it? Let me out of here. You thought you were pretty smart, didn't you? I don't know what you mean. Please, let me out of this car. You went right to the phone. You thought I wouldn't see you. The phone? But I was calling about the time. Honest, I was. The time? With that clock over your head. Oh, but that clock's wrong sometimes. Besides, who, who would I call? Why should I call anyone about you? You were calling the police. No, honest, I wasn't. Let me out of this car. You were going to catch a bus. You were going straight to the police. That's where you were going. Yeah, but why? Why should I go to the police? You know why. No, really, I don't. Because you saw it. You saw his blood. No, you don't. There. You won't need to try to open that door again. Now we'll be getting along. Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Judy Garland in Drive-In. Roma Wines presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Judy Garland as Mildred, with Raymond E. Lewis as the man in Drive-In. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. After I made that last try to get out, he broke the handle of the door. All the strength seemed to go out of my body. I just sat there as we drove on. We passed a few people and some cars in the next blocks. And I thought of calling out, but... Then I knew why he'd asked me to roll up the window when I'd first gotten into the car. Then we were at the mouth of the canyon. And I could see the road, dark and lonely up ahead. The car twisted and swerved. My arm ached from his strong fingers that had dug into it when I tried to jump out. I looked at him from the corner of my eye. He hadn't seemed like a criminal back at the drive-in. And he didn't seem like one now. His jaw was black from needing a shave, so his face... Well, it wasn't like a criminal's at all. It, it was so tired. Quit staring at me. Oh, look, I, I didn't know anything about you. Honest, I didn't. Please let me go. You know something about me now. Well, I won't tell anybody. Whatever it is, I promise I won't. A woman's promises. Remind me to tell you a story about a woman and promise. Oh, let me out. Please let me out right here. 
the long way back to Glendale. Well, that's all the better. It'll take me hours to get back, and you'll be miles away by then. I'm not taking any chances with you, kid. Oh, please let me out. I've got to get back. You said no one was waiting for you. You live alone, don't you? No one will miss you. We both heard the siren then. He looked quickly in the rear vision mirror. Then he took a gun from his pocket and he turned to me. If that's for us and we'll stop, remember just this. I've used this gun before tonight and I can use it again if I have to. If I'm taking your go first. Now listen, I'm a doctor and you're a nurse. We're headed for an emergency. If you want to live, you won't try to pull anything. You're an awful fast for a wet night, aren't you? Followed you up from Hollywood. Uh, I'm Dr. Morgan, officer. This is Nurse Johnson, emergency call. I see your identification. He fumbled through his pockets with one hand, holding the gun in my ribs with the other. The motorcycle cop looked over at me. I thought for a moment I could signal him with my eyes. But then I knew he wasn't looking at my face. He was looking down at my white starched blouse, which you could see under my raincoat. He thought it was a nurse's uniform. Ah, here you are. Okay, Doc. Sorry I stopped you. Hey, just a minute. <gasps> What's the matter? Just wanted to tell you, rain started to slide up there a ways. Take it easy. Thanks, I will. You're not Dr. Morgan, are you? What do you say? Then we came on the landslide. It wasn't a big one, but it, it made a terrible mess of the road. He didn't slow down, and the car swerved crazily as it slipped from one side of the highway to the other. Suddenly, I felt as though the whole rear end had slipped down. I looked over at him. He was tense. His knuckles turned white as he clutched the wheel. He shoved the car into reverse. Oh, I hoped it had never moved. It didn't. We were stuck, hopelessly stuck. Of all the luck. Suddenly the car was filled with light. A car had come around the curve behind us. This might be by chance. Remember, I still have this gun. Don't try anything. Say, we're stuck here. Could you give us a push? We'll have some California hospitality, will you? I'll have to get out. I'll have to put something under the wheel. You stay here. Now, stay there. There were some bushes by the side of the road. If I could reach them, I could perhaps run up the side of the hill and hide. And then in the morning, make my way back down the canyon. I carefully turned the handle of the door. I could see him in the mirror. He was at the back of the car. I eased the door gently open. Put one foot out. I was just sliding out when I heard it. You're not going anyplace. Come here, give me that raincoat. 
Why? I need something dry to stuff under this wheel. But I... You won't be needing it. Come on. He practically ripped it off my back. Wound it into a ball and bending down, he stuffed it under the wheel. The gun. Stuck out of his back pocket. If I could get it, if I could lay my hands on it. I held my breath. I reached out. It seemed so far, but I finally touched it. Then I snatched it from his pocket swiftly. Uh, give me that gun. I'm going. You can't stop me now. Can't I? No. You, you stay right where you are. I won't hurt you. All I want to do is get home. I'm going, but if you follow me, I'll... You'll what? I'll kill you. I don't think you will. Yes, I will. You think I'm afraid. Aren't you? No. I don't care what happens to you. You're a murderer. You killed somebody. I thought you didn't know anything about me. I didn't, but I do now, and I'm going to tell the police. You stay where you are. No, don't. I'm not afraid. I'll shoot. Too bad I used up all of those tonight. You could have filled me full of holes. Now, give me that gun and get in the car. Are you going to kill me? What do you think? We were nearing the top of the canyon now. The road was very steep. The rain had let up. It was just drizzling now. Even though he hadn't answered my question, I knew the answer. He was going to kill me. I wouldn't get back home tonight. Not tonight or any other night. That was funny. I sometimes used to hate that little apartment of mine where nothing ever happened. But tonight... And then, for some strange reason, I thought about Ruth. What would she say tomorrow when I didn't show up at work? And I... I wondered where they'd find my body. Well, here we are. Lookout Mountain. Top of the world. Suddenly we came over the crest of the hill, and way down below the city stretched out for miles. Millions of lights glittering in the rain. For a moment I forgot everything. It was the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen. Ever been up here before? No. Nice, isn't it? Yes. I used to come up here with a girl once. We used to sit and talk for hours. Come on. We'll get a better view if we get out. I knew it was foolish to argue with him, so I followed him. But as he walked over towards the edge, I became frightened. It was such a steep drop. Well? Come on. I'm, I'm afraid to get so close to the edge. You won't fall. Look. That's Los Angeles over there. That bright line of lights is Western Avenue. I went to school somewhere along in there. I used to get in all sorts of trouble at school. But I got by and managed. Everyone said I'd grow out of it. Over that way towards the ocean, that's Westwood. That's where she lived. This girl I was telling you about. 
That was the best part of my life, I guess. That's when they said marriage and a wife would straighten me out. Marriage and a wife would straighten me out in Westwood, they said. Does your wife still live there? No. She's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. You needn't be. I killed her. Why? Because she couldn't keep her promises. Did you kill her tonight? No. A long time ago. The jury said I was insane. But I think it was the sanest thing I ever did. They put me in an asylum. Do you know what it's like being locked up year after year when you know there's nothing wrong with you? No. No, I don't. It isn't good. You'd do anything to get out. Anything. Anything I knew. I knew if I could keep him talking, maybe a car would come along. Maybe something would happen. It was my only chance. What are you thinking about? You... You killed someone else tonight, didn't you? Yes. Dr. Morgan? Yes. He was one of the men who thought I was insane. Why did you do it? I wanted his car to get away in. I didn't want to be locked up anymore. Oh, but th they'll catch you. No. They won't find the doctor for several days. I saw to that. How can you be so sure? I do things thoroughly. What are you going to do now? First, I'm going to... And then I guess I'll go south. I knew what he meant by that pause. I started to back away slowly. I'd made a mistake by reminding him in the present. My hands went instinctively to my apron pocket for something to defend myself with. I knew there was a pencil there. It was sharp. Maybe I could scratch him or hurt him some way with it, but when I reached for it, I felt something else instead, something cold and hard. I was puzzled for a moment, and then I remembered. It was a shaker I'd picked up at the drive-in. Stand still. And then he started moving toward me. Me with only a pencil and a shaker to defend myself with. It's too bad I came into that drive-in tonight. Oh, why did you? Because I was hungry. Because I hadn't eaten for a long time. Weren't you... Were, Weren't you afraid someone would see you? No alarm had gone up. How, how'd you know? I knew. If only you hadn't rolled that window down. Well, if you're sorry, why don't you let me go? It's too late. What's that? With a sudden movement, his arms were around me in a tight embrace. I started to scream, but suddenly his lips closed over mine. Pushing my head back roughly, he kissed me. I could scarcely breathe, and I... I felt the car's headlights on us like a spotlight. Uh, just look at this view, will you? <laughs> I'll have to do this in a picture sometime. Can't you see you're interrupting something? Come on, drive on, will you? Okay, okay. And in all this rain, you'd think people would have some more sense. He held me a moment longer. When the car had gone, he released me. 
my pencil had fallen to the ground. I was left with only the shaker in my hand. I fingered it nervously, and then I felt the top coming off. I felt the content spilling in my hand. What have you got in your hand? Nothing. Give it to me. No. Give it to me. He grabbed my wrist and pulled me toward him. We were moving to the edge of the cliff, but my other hand was free, and I threw the contents of the shaker into his face. His hands flew to his face in an effort to clear his eyes, but I knew it was too late. The pepper had blinded him. He lunged out for me, but I stepped aside quickly, and he slipped in the mud. His hands went out to steady himself. He clawed frantically at Finley. Then I saw him falling over backwards, over the edge. Then my strength gave way and I felt myself sinking down to the ground. I don't know how long I must have been there, but when I came to it was raining again. I was soaked to the skin and there was mud caked in my hair. There was no one in sight. The lights of Los, Los Angeles stretched out in a pattern peacefully below. And I knew that somewhere at the foot of those hills was Glendale. And my apartment. I rose slowly to my feet and I started back toward the road. Somehow... Everything that had happened seemed unreal. Like a dream. Everything but the way he kissed me. To keep me from crying out. Assignment, production, The Sky's the Limit, director, Edward H. Griffith, star, Fred Astaire. The Hollywood Screen Directors present a romantic incident with incidental music. For the first time on the air, The Sky's the Limit, starring Fred Astaire in his original role, and introducing the director of the film, Edward H. Griffith. Some 24 years devoted to the creation of films have convinced tonight's guest screen director of one cardinal truth, that you can't create what you don't feel. Thus, in his mind, screen directing and the seeking of adventure have become synonymous. From the Arctic to the tropics, he has searched out a wealth of experience in order to bring a distinctive quality of realism to such films as Holiday, Animal Kingdom, Cafe Metropole, and Bahama Passage. Ladies and gentlemen, the director of The Sky's the Limit, Mr. Edward H. Griffith. Thank you. It was only a few years ago that a new kind of motion picture literature came to our screen. The story of the war was being told, and the sky's the limit told part of it from a unique vantage point. 
Not from a battlefield overseas, but from a furlough in New York. Today, there's a surprising, nostalgic appeal to this story of romance on the edge of the unknown. A story told as it was lived so many times with a chuckle, an offhand gesture. Now here it is, The Sky's the Limit, starring Fred Astaire as Jerry Burton. You gentlemen care for another drink? Bourbon and soda here. Reg, what about you? Uh, no, nothing. Thanks, Jerry. Excited, huh? <laughs> you said it. Last week, I was a million miles away from Peggy, and now... Now you're gonna have a wife again. For a little while, she's gonna have a husband. <laughs> it's a funny war. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny war, all right. Last week, you and Reg were flying thunderbolts over Germany. Tonight, you're in civilian clothes, sitting at the bar of the Colonial Club in New York, and it feels great. They'd sent you home for one of those public relations tours. Now the speeches are over, you have seven days leave, and you've made up your mind to do nothing but have a little fun pretending you're a civilian. And forget your captain, Jerry Burton. Come on, Jerry. Peggy's train's due in half an hour. She and I... <laughs> we don't have much time. You watch Reg's face. You add everything up, and in a way, you're glad you're lonely. You're glad nobody's going to be waiting for you when you go back. Gosh, Jerry, I don't want to be late for that train. <sighs> you go ahead, Reg, old boy. Have a good lead. No more reporters, no more interviews. What about you? <laughs> Me? Oh, I'm strictly for laughs. I think I'll spend the week being a civilian. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get into civvies myself. Maybe I'll plan a sleeping bag under the barn and set up light housekeeping. How's that? <laughs> Big time, huh? Yeah, go on, beat it, kid. And give my regards to Peg. Okay, see you next week, Jerry. So long. Reg walks out, and that neat gray business suit you've got on feels kind of strange. Then you look down the barn, you see a girl. She's the most beautiful girl you've ever seen. Just like that, you know exactly how you're going to spend your leave. Another drink, sir? No, no, that, that girl at the end of the bar. You know her name? Oh, sure, Jean Mannion. She's a photographer. Who's the fellow she's talking to? Phil Harriman. Nice guy. He's her boss. He publishes Eyeful. She certainly is. No, I mean that high-class picture magazine. She's going to take pictures here tonight. Thanks. They seem to be arguing. Maybe they need a referee. <laughs> Gene, I love you, but please let me run my magazine my own way. The whole world is exploding, Phil. Why can't I go to Russia or China instead of photographing stupid nightclub celebrities? Oh, miss, would you be interested in taking my picture? Who are you? I'm directly descended from the guy who ate the first oyster. Uh, I see the resemblance. Go away. <laughs> Look, Phil, why not give me a chance to go overseas? Gene, I like you here. I, I don't want you traipsing all over the world like... Uh, uh, like a three-legged like, antelope. Like a three-legged antelope. <laughs> uh, hey, that doesn't make sense. That's what you get for eavesdropping. Oh, that man is impossible. Hand me my camera, Phil. I'm going to work. Now, that's what I call a fascinating girl. Yeah, she sure is. She makes me tingle all over. Hey, do I know you? No, but don't, don't apologize. 
I've got news for you. I think we're going to have something in common. Indeed. What? I'm beginning to tingle, too. Hold it, please, Mrs. Kraft. Thank you. Hello there. Oh, it's you again. Exciting, isn't it? Just what do you want, Mr. Uh, whatever your name is? J- Jerry Burton. Burton's the name. It's this way. There I was, minding my own business, easing my way through a bourbon and soda, when suddenly I looked up... I'm terribly busy, Mr. Burton. And there you were. There you stood, Jean, the most beautiful, the most enchanting, the most, the most desirable, the most fascinating woman I'd ever seen in all my life. <laughs> Pardon me, but your adjectives are showing. <laughs> all I said to myself was, Jerry... You're in love. That's fine. Now, if you'll pardon me... You, you mean you're not going to dance with me? I most certainly am not. Stop dragging Shh, don't me. Don't make a scene. You dance divinely. Uh, you know, you interest me. Oh, I'm just a little thing my mother dreamed up. <laughs> I mean purely in a psychological way. I was afraid of that. Well, if I never see you again, this will be my shining hour. Calm and happy and bright In my dreams your face will flower Through the darkness of the night Say, who are you anyway? Oh, let's let's say I kind of dropped in from the clouds Uh, I bet they miss you up there I'll be going back But right now I'm going to take you home I still don't know why I'm letting you walk me home. Mm, Just one of those things. Why do owls stay up late? Who knows why? I... Hey, look. I found a penny. Here, put it in your shoe. (laughs) For luck. Yeah, maybe you need it. Uh Uh-uh. I couldn't be luckier than I am right now, here with you. But you don't even know me. In my business, you get to know people fast. What is your business, anyway? Oh, just... Drifting around. Uh, You know something? There's a war going on. Did you ever think about just drifting into that? Yeah, I've thought about it. Just not interested? Not right now. (laughs) Really? Don't you even have a job? Not at the moment. Mm. Well, I suggest you find one. Okay, maybe I'll get a job, honey, just for you. What are you doing tomorrow? Photographing a construction job. Oh, where? 56th and 3rd Avenue. Well, this is where I live. Oh, very nice. Oh, thanks for the penny. Money means nothing to me. (laughs) Good night, Jerry. Good night, Jean. Wow. A girl like that at a time like this. Well, what do you know? Jackhammer a little to the left. That's fine. There, good picture. Many thanks. Hey, lady, how about me? Do you think this shovel matches my eyes? You working? You made me what I am today. Oh, I take back everything I said about you. Hey, buddy, you looking for a job? Why, uh, 
Um, oh, 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 yeah, you're sure, sure. Just a minute. Isn't this man working for you? No. Why, you phony. I'm, I'm working. Do I have to get paid for it? Yes, you do. That your wife, buddy? Yeah, listen, Pop, come here. I'm out of work, see? She's driving me crazy. Follows me around. Lady, that ain't no way to be. Can you keep out of this? Buddy, if my wife done this, I'd bust her right in the nose. But you see, I can't because she... It's... it's, 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 Oh. That sometimes makes them kind of temporary screwballs. Lady, these things happen every day. Oh, of all the arrogance. Oh, oh, there she goes. Uh, hey, Pop, here's your shovel. Gene, Gene. There's still nothing like a good bust in the nose. Gene, oh, Gene. Seriously, are you crazy? If I am, it's your fault. Oh, Jerry, why don't you come back to Earth? I will, someday. Why not today? Ever work for a publishing firm? Oh, there you go again. Work, work. I've hacked around a few newspapers, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Why? I want you to see the man I work for, Phil Harriman. I'll speak to him about a job. On one condition. What's that? Dine with me tonight. You promise you'll go to work? I promise. Good night, Jerry. It's been a wonderful evening. Jean, do you mind if I ask you a question? No. Uh, How come you never married your boss? Why do Al stay up late? (laughs) I don't know. Well, he's in love with you. Even I could see that last night. Phil's awfully nice, but not the right man, I guess. What's he like? The right man? Oh, Wordsworth put it pretty well. How? A creature not too bright or good for human nature's daily food. For transient sorrows, simple wiles, praise, blame, love, kisses, tears, and smiles. Jean, there's something you ought to know. I'm not... Oh, Jerry, look, don't tell me what you're not. Tell me what you are. A guy with you in his eyes. That's all. Oh, Jerry. Jean... I think I'd better go in. I wish you wouldn't. You won't forget about tomorrow. I won't forget. What's tomorrow? Well, you're going to ask Phil for a job. Oh, oh, that, yeah, yeah, sure. sure. (laughs) Good night, baby. ride a pink cloud back to the Colonial Club for a nightcap. Just a quiet drink and a lot of thinking. More thinking than you ever dreamed you were capable of. Then all of a sudden, Reg pops in and the cloud explodes. That's right, Jerry. Now, leave's canceled. Mm. I figured you'd come back here sooner or later. How long have we got? We're flying back day after tomorrow. But but why? What's the rush? They say there's a big fighter sweep on. We've lost a lot of planes. They want us back. Well, that's it. That does it. Hey, where are you going? For a little walk. I got a few things I want to think about.
You are listening to the Hollywood Screen Director's presentation of The Sky's the Limit, starring Fred Astaire with Sharon Douglas, and introduced by the director of the film, Edward H. Griffith. kept your word. You came to the office. Jean, I... Look, I, I want to tell you something. Look, darling, don't get cold feet now. This is your big chance. I told Phil all about you. But, Jean, you, you don't understand. Oh, now you come with me. Here's Phil's office. You can go right in. Jean, can't we... Uh, will you listen to me for a minute, please? No, I, darling, and here's something for luck. Oh, say, it's the lucky penny. Uh, in case that doesn't work, here's something else for luck. I... Oh. Okay, Jean... We'll do it your way. I'll be waiting. Huh? Oh, hi. I remember you. You're Burton, the fellow Gene's been talking about. Jerry's the name. I'm Phil, Jerry. Sit down. Thanks. Now, uh, frankly, Jerry, are you serious about a job? Frankly, Phil, no. <laughs> well, that's that. Uh, you, uh... You don't play gin rummy, do you? Oh, a little bit. Well, I, I just happen to have a deck of cards on my desk. Is this the way you treat everybody who walks in here? Oh, just the people I like. I'll deal. Go ahead. Mind if I talk while we play? About what? You. I, I've heard a lot about you. Through Miss Mannion, of course. Uh, you want that card? No. Uh, you don't want to talk about me. You want to talk about Jean? You sure like to toss off those low ones, don't you? Well, I play a rather unorthodox game. So do I. Tell me something. Why don't you marry Jean? What? You wouldn't be in love with her yourself, would you? We're not talking about me. You want this queen? Uh, no. Go on. Sure, I like Jean. I, I, I liked a lot of girls. But you don't want to marry, huh? Live alone in Wolford. Yeah. Yeah, when I, when I do marry, it'll, it'll be someone like... Well, like uh, a creature not too bright or good for human nature's daily food, for transient sorrows, simple wiles, praise, blame, love, kisses, tears, and smiles. Yeah, kisses, tears. Hey, that's very good. Wordsworth, isn't it? Yeah, that, that belongs to the, to the one girl I'll never forget. Say, what's the name of this game? Uh, gin. That's just what I've got. Thanks, Phil. I win. <clears throat> So long, Phil. See you around. Jerry. Jerry, did you get the job? Here's your lucky penny. Did it work? No, neither do I. Did, didn't Phil want to take you on? I didn't want to go on. But, Jerry, you promised... I changed my mind. You know how it is. Sure, I know. All right, Mr. Fun and Games. We both made a mistake. me out of your office? No, Phil, I'm glad you came in. Uh, Jean, this Burton fellow, he, he was the big thing, wasn't he? Why don't you tell me what a sap I was? I'll tell you what a sap you can still be. Marry me, Jean. Oh, 
really feel like... Well, you see, Jean, I, I need somebody like you. Um, a creature not too bright. What? Well, you didn't let me finish. A <laughs> uh, creature not, not too bright or good for... Uh, for... For human nature's daily food. Uh, who told you? I told Jerry. You told... Then you're the girl. The one he'll never forget. He, he said that? Oh, somehow I'm beginning to suspect I've botched this thing, but good. Oh, but you haven't, Phil. If Jerry said that, it means he... he... What does it mean? Don't worry, honey. Just leave everything to your Uncle Phil. Another bourbon straight. Coming up. Hey, bartender. Yeah? If I should die, think only this of me, that there's some corner of a foreign field that is forever the Colonial Club. Colonial Club? Yeah. Hi, Jerry. Oh. Well, hello, Phil. Kind of figured I'd find you here. Nice figuring. Any special reason? Oh, I like your style of gin rummy. <laughs> Brought the cards. Deal them. Uh, mind if I talk while we play? About what? You. I've heard a lot about you. Through Miss Manning, of course. Want that card? Yeah, I'll take it. I think I understand what happened. What's the difference? You're afraid of being in love, aren't you? You play a lousy game of gin. <laughs> but I'm improving... Captain Burton. How'd you find out about me? Oh, heroes have a way of getting their pictures into the newspaper. I'm no hero. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, want that card? No. Does Jean know the truth? No. Do me a favor, Phil. What? Don't tell her. Well, suppose she loves you. Come on, play your cards. Look, I want to see her happy. So do I. Want to make a deal? What kind? You beat me once at this game. I don't think you can do it again. And if I don't... If you don't, I tell Jean the truth. You're on. Pull a card. Right. Uh, I'll try a knock with two. Uh-uh. That's not good enough. I've got one. Oh, looks like I'm blitzed. Yep, I'm a lucky guy. What about Jean? She'll forget it. Will you? Look, I'm not really living. I'm just walking a tightrope between here and there, see? I want to walk it alone. Nobody to break the fall. For a while, somebody almost got hurt. Now it's fixed and it's swell and... Is it? Oh, do me a favor, Phil. Marry her, will you? Can I give you a lift? No, I'm, I'm going to stick around a while. Thanks. Good luck. So long. Hey, bartender. Yeah? Leave the bottle on the bar and give me a fistful of change for the jukebox. Sure. Thanks. Hey, Mac, come on, we're going to close up. Let me have some more change. Okay. But it's late. This is the last time. It's late. Last time. Right. 
It's quarter to three There's no one in the place except you and me So set em up, Joe I've got a little story you ought to know We're drinking, my friend To the end of a brief episode Make it one for my baby And one more for the road I got the routine So drop another nickel in the machine I'm feeling so bad I wish you'd make the music dreamy and sad Could tell you a lot But that's not in a gentleman's code Make it one for my baby And one more for the road You'd never know it But buddy, I'm a kind of poet And I got a lot of things to say And when I'm gloomy You simply gotta listen to me Until it's talked away Well, that's how it goes And Joe, I know you're getting anxious to close Oh, thanks for the beer I hope you didn't mind my bending your ear Don't let it be said Little Jerry can't carry his load Make it one for my baby And one more for the road That long, long road Yes, uh, Jean, are you sure you don't want to marry me? Oh, Phil, please. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, in that case, I might as well be noble about this. I've got an assignment for you. Oh, a good one? You know those fighter pilots who were sent back home, the ones the papers made such a fuss over? I read about them. Well, they're going back overseas today, so grab your camera and get out to LaGuardia. Right. Is there anything else I should know? Yes. Your boss is a half-baked idiot. Now move fast. You haven't got much time. It's been a great leave. Just great. You're walking across the tarmac toward the waiting transport plane. Your stomach feels like a pretzel doing a loop and there's something else there. Loneliness. Loneliness so bad, you wish you were a kid again so you could cry. And then somebody's yelling at you. Captain, Uh, my magazine would like a few pictures. Would you mind? I've had enough pictures. Oh, it'll only take a minute. Jerry. Jean, what? It can't be you. Say it again. I think I'm dreaming. But you are... 
Oh, darling. So Phil told you? No, no, he just sent me to cover the story. I didn't know. Well, I wanted to tell you, but... Why didn't you? Why didn't uh, you? A guy like me, it's no good. A guy like you? A girl like me? Oh, Jerry, it's always good. I must have been crazy. Hey, Jerry, uh, come on! That's my buddy. We're, we're taking off. Darling, I... I'll, I'll, I'll be back. We'll have this war licked in no time, honey. Sure you will. Oh, Jean, I, I love you. I... You wonderful dope. Goodbye. You've got to come back to me. A little kiss for luck. Here. Take our penny, the lucky penny. You, you keep it. For both of us. Give my regards to Wordsworth. Suddenly you're airborne. As the plane wheels over the base, you see her down below, waving. And just like that, you know everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be swell. will return in just a moment. Next week, the NBC Theater cocks a quizzical eye at an age-old problem as we present the light-hearted motion picture comedy The Trouble with Women, and the star of our story will be Ray Milland. Now, here again are tonight's stars, Fred Astaire and Sharon Douglas. You know, Fred, there's one scene in The Sky's the Limit I'll never forget, and you didn't do it on the air tonight. What's that, Sharon? The one for my baby number when you broke a great big mirror during your dance. Well, I'll tell you why we didn't do it tonight. I learned to play gin rummy during the picture. Well, you mean that has something to do with it? Certainly. When I broke the mirror, that meant seven years' bad luck. Now, if we did the scene tonight, it would have meant seven years' bad luck for the rehearsal and another seven years for the actual show. Uh, what about the gin rummy? Sharon, you wouldn't want to wish 21 years bad luck on a gin rummy player, would you? I mean... oh, now I understand. Good night, Fred. Good night, everyone. Good night. And good night to you, Fred Astaire and Sharon Douglas. The Sky's the Limit was presented through the courtesy of RKO Pictures Incorporated, producers of Adventures in Baltimore, starring Robert Young, Shirley Temple, and John Agar. Fred Astaire will soon be seen in the MGM Technicolor production, The Barclays of Broadway. Included in tonight's cast were Jay Novello, Harry Bartell, Barton Yarborough, Ed Max, and Dan Riss. Mr. Griffith's portion of the program was by transcription. The Sky's the Limit was adapted for radio by Richard Allen Simmons, and original music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. Production was under the supervision of Howard Wiley, associate producer Bill Karn. Your announcer has been Hal Gibney. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website 
at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.